When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Writer's Room, where funny writers who sit in funny rooms and write funny words for other people finally get to talk. Here's your host, me, Jeff Cesario. All right, welcome to the Writer's Room. This is uh, a treat for me. It's uh, a reunion and a podcast. Uh, so there's going to be some fun and there's going to be some information. Uh, my guest today, Suli McCullough, a tremendous writer, tremendous stand-up, tremendous performer, who's been in a crap load of writer's rooms of all sorts. And we're going to dive into that uh, very soon. But let's talk about first um, how we met, which I think was through George Shapiro, our uh, late great ex-manager. Yes, right? we both uh, have George Shapiro as an ex-manager. And <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you how George discovered me. I don't know if you know this, but... Uh, I was a student at UCLA and Jerry Seinfeld did a concert at UCLA uh, and four people from the UCLA comedy club got to open for him each doing five minutes. The contract was very specific. They said the opener shall not do more than 20 minutes or Jerry will not go on. So we each had four <laughs> minutes. <laughs> oh, now that's what I call a light. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> wow so uh i remember this this is a funny side note i remember being so like uh, five minutes at ucla i'm in the comedy club that's not enough <laughs> so i remember like like maybe thinking about dropping out so my friends could get one more minute <laughs> luckily i didn't do that uh george was at the show Afterwards, he came up to me. He said, uh, here's my card. I think you have a lot of talent. Give me a call. So that's how I got discovered by George. That Shapiro. is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable. A college wannabe stand up ends up doing five minutes in front of Jerry Seinfeld and gets signed by the manager. By it's Seinfeld's crazy. manager. Yes. That's while, while in college. Wow. Yeah. That's uh I got to George from a whole different direction. I had a manager who imploded. Yes. Uh, and, and then, and uh, had done some tremendous things for me, but had also done some things that, that uh, didn't add up. Right. So then I was managerless, And I said, I have to, I have to find a manager whose reputation is, is gold. Is impeccable. Yeah. Cause I can't afford to have more jackknife semis on the side of my career. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, George and Howard popped up. So uh, yeah. thank goodness they, uh, they also took me. And then we wound up working on a pilot together. Yes. Yes. We had a, we had, we had a couple submit. of deals, right? We had a, we had a, yeah, it's a strong, it was, it's a strong, it's still strong. It, it, yes, of course. I still think it's a great idea. And and a and a pretty solid script. Yes, uh, which was um, we co-owned a recording studio right at the beginning of 
uh, the time in the music industry when everything was changing. That's right. That's right. And uh, I played a guy who was good at the bullshit. Yes. And good at the cell. Yes. And not good at the music. Yeah. And, <laughs> but but also wanted to stick to the tried and true things that you knew would make money in the studio. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The voiceovers, the, the, the cat voiceover commercials. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Get the bread and butter in the studio yes. let's go i got yes. rent to pay and, and then i was the young p diddy type that was just uh moving at his own speed and was yeah. like yo dude we gotta do this yeah and you knew also what was going on in music yes yes so you were trying to bring quality music people into the studio. Yes. And yes. I couldn't see where the money was coming from, although there wasn't any money coming yet. But yes. it was great. Yes. There was natural tension. There was uh, economic issues. We yes. had a, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, a Robin Quivers type <laughs> managed the studio right. and was the sanity between <laughs> us two uh, characters Yes. And it was a really solid script. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't at Fox, which was just beginning to, to open to up take to, risks. Yes. to diversity and things like that. We were at NBC, which was not necessarily the place for this. Right. Yeah. yeah we, were, we were light years ahead of what they were trying to do at the time. Yeah. And uh, and hence... Nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) But still a good idea. (laughs) Still a good idea. But we had fun writing on that and remained friends throughout that. And if I'm not mistaken, I may have got you and introduced you to the Shandling basketball game. Not only that, I think you you did introduce me to the basketball game, which I'm forever grateful for. Um, But... I guest starred on Larry Sanders when you were a producer, and that's how I first met Gary. Oh wow! Yes, I don't remember uh, I, that. That's cool. Oh, here's this is this is amazing, dude. I I played a writer on the Larry Sanders show. It was the pain equals funny episode, which oh, is right. really funny now. <laughs> yeah, that was I my episode. That yes, was my, that was yeah. your episode. Yes, yes. So which I played quickly. A the premise was. Um, uh, the writer, Phil, uh, uh, his girlfriend breaks up with him and he's in such intense, agonizing, emotional pain that he writes the best monologue jokes he's ever written. <laughs> yeah, he catches and fire. So, uh, <laughs> Larry Sanders uh, turns to Artie, uh, Rip Torn, and says, um, essentially, whatever's going on with Phil, we have to keep him in this state. Because yes. he's the best smaller jokes ever. And also the um, plot that got grafted into that out of emergency, the A plot, was that Janine Garofalo's character was leaving the show. Yes. So those two dovetailed together. And yes. you came on as a as a as an as actor. A writer. As a writer. Yes. I, I was I, yeah, I was an actor playing a writer. And it was, yeah, that was and it was funny, like, I was a big fan of the show. It literally was one of my favorite shows. And I was a fan of Gary's stand-up, of course. But, you know, I was used to guest starring on stuff. But Gary and I got into a conversation, and we ended up talking on the set for about an hour. Wow. And we bonded over our our mutual love and admiration of Muhammad Ali. So that was the 
jump in point, but I remember, you know, cause I guest starred on other shows, but I remember like, you don't have a lot of access to the guy, you know what I mean? And he was so unaffected right. and genuinely interested in what my story was in Hollywood, like how I was navigating this business. And, you know, it was it, it, it was one of the most impactful first meeting conversations you have with somebody that you admire, where I, I just left that situation like, well, this dude is even cooler than I thought, you know, yeah. what I mean? because <laughs> Which happens. One percent of the time. Yes. Yeah, it's so <laughs> rare that that happens. Like they say, you know, never meet your heroes for a reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, I think from that experience, uh, I think think Gary invited me to the game, and then you know I played in the game for eighteen years, and Gary and I became you know great great friends. It was it's so it, it was phenomenal. Yeah. It was a phenomenal way to get jumped in to the writing world. He had an ability to uh, maintain perspective about life uh, yes. past show business. So yes. He could talk yes. Ali. He could talk yes. architecture. Uh, yes. You know, he could talk hoops. He could talk a, a wide variety of things, always in yes. a funny manner because he was just a genuinely funny guy. And I think yes. it was because he started in the business as a writer Right. As, uh, uh, you know, an entry level sitcom guy who climbed quickly because he wrote good scripts. Yeah. But was also in these rooms constantly. Yes. With tons of writers learning yes. tons of perspective. And then just wherever he was coming from naturally as a human being, you know, allowed yes. him to take a step back. What had happened in his life, I think, allowed him to step back and go, oh, OK, this is a sandbox we're playing in. Yes. And then there's a giant desert of sand around it. That's actual life. Well, I think also, too, he was so clear about these show business experiences only informing this path that he was on, which was a greater spiritual path and understanding what the takeaways and the learning lessons were from these monumental experiences. Right, right. So this triggers you to to try the writing side of things. Well, Were there other influences because here's something that always uh, that I always respected about guys with families. Yeah, is yeah. It changes your path. It just absolutely does. one one hundred percent. And at I, some it, point, a gifted uh, actor and performer like yourself has to go. I've also made the decision to have a family. Yes, so that's going to alter the path. It's it may not alter the goal. No, not at all. Not at all. And but you're going to take the uh, you know, the uh, you're going to take the bypass around yes. the city. And then you're yes. going to come back in on a county road. Yes. And then you're going to yes. take city streets and then you're downtown. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and and my 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 transition into writing and producing uh it happened where I was an actor on the Jamie Foxx show. And when that show came to an end, you know, Jamie started hosting these uh, award shows. You know, he hosted the ESPY awards and hosted the MTV right. awards. And, um, you know, our, our creative process on the Jamie Foxx show is, you know, we would do a scripted pass and then we would do a wild take where, 
I would pitch ideas and, you know, like that, that's where I first sort of learned that, oh, okay, cool. I have a thing outside of just being a performer. I can sort of see scenes and, and I understood where the, you know, as a stand-up, when you write, that's the start of everything. You know what I mean? It's a punchline that teaches you a lot, but I also was, you know, I paid attention. So when Jamie started hosting those shows, um, I jumped on board as a, as a writer, you know? So I was in that group of his, you know, friends and, and, and people that had backpacks and notes and, you know, right. right. And so I started that, that was the thing that sort of changed the direction of my career. And as Jamie was getting hotter, I didn't stop working once I chose that path. Right. And I imagine from the shared history uh, of not only the Jamie Foxx show, but of kind of coming up at roughly the same time. And of course, Jamie's a meteor. Yes. He's an unbelievable Uh, talent. Yeah. He's Um, one of the most talented people I've ever been around. It's ridiculous. I've been around some extraordinary people. You know, I remember uh, watching him and I remember him sitting down at a piano once and I just thought, oh, he does a little... And he's playing and I'm like, is is this Herbie Hancock? What's going on here, man? <laughs> and then of course as a stand-up, I went immediately to oh, this ain't fair. Yes, <laughs> yes. <guy>. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like I, I have uh, to cobble together jokes. Yes. This guy yes. can do a hundred things. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's funny. His stand-up special, you know, I I have a, a producing cre- credit on his his uh, early stand-up special, right? And so it's you know forty minutes of jokes and impressions and Jamie being funny and charismatic, and then the last six or seven minutes he goes to the piano, right? right. <laughs> First of all, the dude is already being hilarious in a leather jumpsuit, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. So then he like goes to the top tier hilarious. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like it's it like just like you said, it is not fair. So <laughs> then he goes to the piano and he starts playing and doing funny songs on the piano. And it is out of here. Like he's out yeah. of here. And as yeah. a stand-up, like, you know, I speak stand-up. So looking at what he can do on the piano, I'm like, okay. I'm out. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point in even trying. And I remember part of what I remember what impressed me about that was he was being improvisationally extraordinarily yes. funny yes. in the moment. Yes. And yet the chords he's playing are, yeah. Are I mean, he studied, he studied music, dude. He studied music. <laughs> And, and and I thought, man, this dude has put in a, an unbelievable amount of work. Yes, to make this look so like effortless. Casual. And that and that was the interesting thing about writing for him too. Um, you know, like you're coming up with ideas and pitching ideas. He's one of the few people that you can do the work. You know, away from him. He can come in, you can pitch him ideas. And if he absorbs an idea and goes that, then he takes it to a whole nother level. You know what I mean? Like he's that talented that his ability to absorb the pre-work that you've done, you know, and then go, that's it. 
you know, I, I, uh, I wrote for him. uh, I I was a guest writer on SNL when he uh, was the host of SNL. And, you know, I was thinking about these ideas beforehand because he asked me, hey, you know, I'm doing SNL. Do you want to come do that? And of course, you're like, yes, yes, I do. Uh, I want to experience that. So I'd come up with ideas and it was after I'd spent a year at The Tonight Show. So, you know, I was very good at coming up with topical stuff that had a little bit of, you know, it it had some juice. It was great to be able to write for Jamie in that situation because, you know, A, you can take risks, you can come up with. So I, I, I came up with this idea where this is when the um they were going to discontinue the Twinkie. You know what I mean? This was that time frame, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> Well, that's just a silver platter there. <laughs> yes. Writers, there's something coming in the writer's room. Hang on. Yes. Here you go. Hey, they're gonna discontinue the Twinkie. What do you got? <laughs> so I pitched this idea for Jamie on SNL where he played uh, the hostess ding dong, which is the other <laughs> snack treat. Sure. Yeah. And he felt like, you know, he was getting uh, dissed because the Twinkie was getting all the pub. Right. right. <laughs> it was a weekend update, you know, character where Jamie comes in dressed as a ding dong. Right. Oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> That's so great. Like it's his time to shine now. Yes. Of- <laughs> yes. And he's disgruntled and everything, you know, that you would. You would expect, but it was one of those things where I came up with that idea prior to us talking. And then when I pitched it to him, it was like, oh, this is a home run. You know what I mean? Like it's right. So it was, I really enjoyed It's easy when you're writing for somebody that talented. You know what I mean? Let's talk about that for a little bit. You can get to a place with an artist as a writer, and especially a writer who's performed as well. Where there's a, uh, you're a, considered a trusted sounding board. Absolutely. They Absolutely. will want you in virtually any environment they're in because they trust your judgment. Yes. And they, yes. they and there may be a little different process with a guy like you uh, in relation to Jamie, a guy like me in relation to Dennis, or probably Gary might even be a better example for me because I got brought in at the Tonight Show. Yes. When he was guest hosting and Dennis was his Dennis was the guy he brought in to write. This is after update after Dennis wow. was doing update. He'd wow. still come out and Gary would say, come on in the room. I'm hosting for a week. Help me out. They yes. got stuck on a joke once. I'm sitting in my living room in Studio City and and Dennis calls me and yes. he says, you got a punchline for this. I call him back five minutes later. I had the punchline. Yes. Gary loved it. Brought me in. Yes. And. Uh, so, so there's a unique place for someone who's a trusted sounding board, but it sounds like Jamie had a similar approach, which is you didn't shut out necessarily anybody else. There's still no. the guys coming in who were hired by the producers with the backpacks and the notebooks coming yes. up with jokes or patter yes. or whatever. In Gary's case, you still took all the jokes from the actual Tonight Show writing staff. You called five or six other guys and said, Hey, if you got a minute, I remember he would always call uh, um, Gene and Reese, Mike Gene, uh, Al yes. Gene and Mike Reese, yes. who were at already at the Simpsons, and said, "Look, if you get ten minutes at lunch, send me ten jokes." Yes, and he would yes. just take them all, and then we would go through them and form them. And I learned such a great lesson from that, which is you never know where a great joke's coming from. Yes, you just don't. I've, I've worked with enough 
enough um, stand-ups primarily because that was my entryway into uh, comedy writing and producing. Uh, the the best stand-ups, they'll take jokes from any anybody. You know what right. I mean? Like they do keep the process as open as they can. And I think you're in the room to be that 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 expert opinion that can go okay that's a little left to center but maybe if we tweak that then it becomes more serviceable for what we're trying to create right in the in the in the words of my people you, you're a consigliere at that yes time. absolutely you're, absolutely you're trusted on a high level yes and, and, I, and I, I think also you feel, think part of that comes from stand-up do you think I, absolutely i was just about to say that i said i think that um being stand-ups we would fact check our jokes. You know what I mean? Like we would yeah. go to the front line and live or die with our perspective. So in some ways, I feel it gives you a much sharper perspective than somebody that doesn't have that in their arsenal. You know, there like- is an editing process that goes on in a stand-up's mind, especially as he gets better and better or he or she get better and better, that that is lightning fast, can eliminate- sure several options before you get to something that's workable. Sure. And I also believe that a guy like Jamie would watch you do stand-up or a guy like Dennis or Gary would watch me do stand-up and go, all right, they, they got it. They got what yes. I want. Yes. They, they yes. know what this is. And so they're going to know what I'm going to need in another environment. That's initially how Jamie and I connected was in the stand-up world. And, right. you know, he watched my set. There was a, a joke I used to do that he really liked where, you know, uh, it was when Arsenio show was super popular. And I said, you know, I love watching the Arsenio Hall show on mediocre guests night because he ramps up the energy three times as much. Right. <laughs> so he'll come out there and he'll be like, ah, yes, give it up. <laughs> Ray J. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I, so I had this run of just obscure, mediocre people as, and That's great. And Jamie was like, that joke right there tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> right. That's so great. That is so great. I believe three of my six appearances on Arsenio we're on mediocre. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Because <laughs> he'd always do the double finger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <unique> perspective. <laughs> you know what I go? The cast <laughs> of Howard the Duck is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It's great when you find that shared uh, commonality with another stand up. Because in, in, uh, to describe it a different way, if you're in a hallway at a comedy club or a green room at a comedy club and you are cracking one person up with this stuff, it's that person. It yes. Almost. I mean, it does in terms of our lives and our careers, but it almost doesn't matter in terms of the purity of comedy. Yes. I remember Dennis and I would just kill each other doing these obscure sports references as sports announcers. That's how my sports announcer character got started. We would just yes. sit there Yes. And just just do the whole speaking of thing. I mean, it was yes. really like, man, oh, man, I read where Russia's on the brink of World War Three. That could be a disaster. 
Speaking of disasters, man, Cincinnati's bullpen is a mess. You know, and we would just and then tag that and tag that, yes. and people would find it funny for four minutes and then leave, and we would go on yes. for an hour. Yes. And we yes. couldn't stand up by the end of it. Yes. And that's when you know in a closet with one dude, yes, it's happening. Yes. Yeah. And and those kind of that having that shorthand really does help in a corporate writing situation. You know what I mean? The more you have that with the person that you're writing for, the better it is. And I think because you you got a week, even on these award shows. Yes. Especially, especially if you're a guy with a, uh, with a guy like Jamie, who is busy beyond belief. Absolutely. Even if the award show writer's room starts a month out, which is not a lot of time to begin with. Your yes. dude is not getting there till a week ahead of time, two weeks right. ahead of time. Right. Right. Uh, you know, you may have a session or two, uh, you know, four weeks out. You might have a session three weeks out. You might go to his house and say, what do we got? Yes. Let's start putting this stuff together. But his undivided attention's not coming until probably Monday that week. And I think as a writer producer, it's up to you to create those moments where you have that time. Like when I was, uh, was Cedric's head writer on the Emmys. I knew there wasn't a lot of time. I really was was excited about the opportunity to create something that, you know, utilizes what he does. It's great. And, you know, these are shows, big, big award shows coming back after the pandemic and small scaled down versions. So you want it to feel like, it, you know, you want it to feel like what you know award shows can be. So what I would do with Cedric is, you know, I would be in these meetings and stuff. And then I would say, hey, if we could just get a couple of hours on Sunday where I come over to your house and, you know, I can keep you informed as to what these ideas are that are percolating, we can put some time in. And then that speeds up the process in, oh, hey, I've talked to Cedric. These are our thoughts about this. So I, I felt having that that history with him and that shorthand and the fact that we both make each other laugh, those most honest points where you're laughing and you're having a good time. You have to take that energy into the process because there's so many things that are going to derail that good time that you guys were having. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a minefield. Yes, if you can at least bottle as much of that as possible, it really helps as you navigate the process. And the the there is precious little upside at all of these award shows, whether it's the BET Awards, yes, the Nick Awards, yes. Guys Choice, the Emmys, the yes. Oscars, the ESPYs. It doesn't matter what the award show is, someone will see it. And remember just the six minutes that started the show. Yes. And if it's not sizzling, they'll literally go, hey, what happened at the Guy's Choice Awards? Yes. Hey, what? Yes. What? yes. <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, 90,000 people in the country saw that. How did you see that? Yes. <laughs> yes. And second, we, must, yeah. we hit the heavy bag on that for a month, dude. <laughs> Yes. Try. Yeah, man. So yes. what's it like in a room like that where where you know the upside is precious little, but you have to get there or or the person hosting is just not going to look good? Well, 
I, I always I always feel like if the host has stand up chops, mm. it's vital that that monologue makes an impact. Yeah, you know what I mean. It sets the tone of the night. Really true. It 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 uh it shows someone's in control. It anchors the show. It makes you feel like you're going through uh, a live experience that doesn't feel uh, so uh, measured. You know, you're the, the the host is the wild card, and yeah. if it's a great host that has a lot of funny moves that aren't minimized, it makes for a great experience. Right. You, right. you know what I mean. And and Absolutely. so. You know, before on these award shows, they would take a risk with a produced piece where you get to set the tone that way and a monologue or maybe a couple moments within the show. Nowadays, those things are going away because of budgetary concerns, uh, shorter production windows. I feel like fewer people who can pull those off. Exactly. Let's be honest. Exactly. Exactly. So. You, you really have even less shots for comedy to survive in these situations. Mm. You know, the, the, the Oscars was, was, was a very interesting experience for a whole lot of different reasons. I mean, first and foremost, you know, uh, the, the year I wrote in the Oscars was the, was the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, which, you yeah. know, w- was frustrating for a lot of reasons because we put a lot of work into you know, making a great Oscars and then to have it reduced to that moment was frustrating. I'm going I'm to hold you right there because I want to tease that a little bit. <laughs> yes, please, please. I, I didn't mean to get there so soon. <laughs> no, it's an irresistible meal at, at the end of this podcast. <laughs> but, but before we go there, I got a couple because we're going there and we're going there in a big way. Yes. <laughs> because that's just choice. Um <clears throat> In all of these award shows, do you approach, and and incidentally, you've written for sitcoms, you've written, you've done a ton of writing, but this is such a fascinating area. Uh, These rooms, you're in mixed company. And by that, I mean, there's women, there's men, there's a lot of white people, there's a lot of producers, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. You've got so much to deal with. Did you ever shift psychologically? As a black writer going into a room where you go, oh, okay, this is 95% white or 100% white till I walked in. Do you approach it differently just in your own head to go, okay, I'm going to have to pitch a little different. I'm going to have to approach this or no. Do you just go in and go, that's it. I'm, 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 I'm throwing down. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, my experience as a writer on the Tonight Show, uh, I, I was a I was a writer the last year that Jay, but be, before Conan took over, right. so that that final year of Jay's first seventeen year run, and I was hired uh, because Barack Obama got the nomination, and an executive said, "Well, we're, we we could have the first black president. We should probably have a black writer on staff for the Tonight Show." Yeah. Uh, that finally moved. That moved the needle. So the thank you, Barack. Ton stone. <laughs> that was the that was the linchpin that moved the needle. <laughs> uh, but that experience, you know, there were eighteen writers on the show. You know, seventeen or fifteen white guys. You know, two women and myself. 
And so you clearly know what the score is, but I was coming in hungry and looking to prove a point and make a point and make an impact and, you know, be thought of as a funny writer, you know, first and foremost, the, you know, color aspect of it. We all know that, but you still got to produce. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a show that, you know, they were looking for someone to help them provide a perspective as to how they could talk about the president. Right. So they needed to know we get we what the have line is. someone Where, with, yes. With, what yeah, what what is a what is a uh, what is a uh, correct perspective? You know, right. like look at the the time that that Jay occupied those host duties. It was you know Bush Senior for yeah. those terms, and then you know towards the end it was uh, uh, Clinton. Yeah. So you know the angles for the jokes right. um, with both those presidents. Absolutely. You know, Barack comes All in, yeah. you know, he's he's smooth, he's black, he's articulate, yeah. he's thoughtful, he's cool. You know, you're like, hey, I don't know how I can attack that. And, what, what you know, where's the funny there? And and after 16 years of, of two very definitive moves, to then go into this uncharted territory where, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of, of having a black James Bond. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I used to say that uh, I, I loved Obama because uh, he was cool. He swung, he had a guy killed. It was like having Sinatra for president. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so you're on the tonight show fulfilling this, selecting yourself this takes discipline dude i on was your a part because for this reason for this reason i believe you can walk into a room with cedric the entertainer or jamie fox you know that's going to be a mixed room heavily slanted with a mix of white and black writers men women the whole thing a tremendous perspective that room is comfortable and you decide I'm going to, I'm going to take on this gig yes. at the tonight show. Yeah. I'm going to go into this gauntlet and make it work. That takes, that takes discipline. I think. Well, I also, I also felt like with what the Barack Obama era ushered in, you know, I mean, he ran on hope and change. So as a artist in Hollywood, it's like, oh, cool. We're doing hope and change now. Great. I got a shot. <laughs> Nobody's heard this material before. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right. I've been working on cynicism for about 30 yes. years. <laughs> yes. Cynicism and marginalization. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hilarious.